welcome to Walk Around the Block, where today we've got victories big and small and the wild, weird world of online reviews. Hello, hello, hello. So I had myself a week. Okay, so first off, my credit card was missing for like months, literally months. I was uh, I was annoyed by this, but not too concerned because I did check my account fairly regularly and saw that no one had bought, for example, hundreds of dollars worth of stuff at like a Georgia sporting goods store, which by the way, actually did happen to me once. I was in a Bath and Body Works buying a ridiculous amount of candles and got this alert from my bank. And I was like, oh no, I'm buying a lot of candles, but I didn't think I was buying that many candles. No, it was not my candles. It was the fact that somebody else was actually buying sneakers several states away at the same time as my candle haul. So that did not happen. I checked my account and that had not happened. There were no other unusual out-of-state purchases. So I figured I was probably okay. I had been doing a lot of obviously purchasing online these days. So I was confident that I probably just carried my cart around somewhere in the house and left it somewhere, as you do. So I went around and checked the usual suspects you know, top of the list, of course, my actual wallet to see if I had just slid it in the wrong little pocket or slid it behind another card. So I check and there's nothing. I check the couch to see if it slid behind the cushions, nothing. I check next to my bed, under the bed, nothing. Uh, I even checked my car to see, sometimes I'll stick it in the cup holder for a second and I check to see if maybe it slid, I missed and it slid between the seats or something, nothing. So for a while I got by because my card was saved on enough websites that I didn't actually need the physical card. But the tipping point was I had to unlink my Target account for something, and then I was like, okay, enough's enough. So I was finally gonna just bite the bullet and order a new card, and I opened my wallet for something else, and you guessed it, right there, right there. Like, literally, for months, every time I opened my wallet, for months, every time I opened my wallet, it was right there, in the pocket behind, right where it normally goes. I checked that wallet, I don't even know how many times. Like I checked and then I checked and then I checked again. So it's a win that I found it, but now I'm wondering if I should be concerned that I literally checked that exact pocket like multiple times over multiple months and didn't see it. I probably should be concerned, but I am mostly just happy that I finally found it and promptly use it to order six more soaps from bathandbodyworks.com. So the next one. So a little bit ago, I was doing some laundry and noticed... I'll just call it some residue on a couple of the clothes, like a couple of little flakes. So I do drop the tablet in there to clean my washer every so often. Like there's this light that goes on once a month or so. And, you know, I would say I do do it, but maybe I am like a little lax with the timeline. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, it could be a scam, but just on the off chance that it's not, I'll do it. But I'm not really that sure it does anything, but I'll do it. So that was my first line of defense. I do one of those and there's still stuff. And I do another and there's still stuff. And then I decided to actually look at the directions. And so I go and look at the directions and there's this thing on the box that's like, sometimes you have to run it three times in a row. So I was like, okay. So I get another box and run it again and no dice. So this would be a good time to mention that I have only had this washer for a year and it is the exact same washer that I had in my previous house. And over three years there, I literally had not one issue the whole time, at least not that I noticed. So because of that, like at this point, I was like obviously overcome with this. I was like, there is no more laundry that is going to be done in this house until I figure this out. 
So you know I go down the internet rabbit hole, which I mean is the worst, but also sort of impossible not to do. But of course, it's disgusting. You know, there's all kinds of horrifying videos and these cautionary tales that happen to someone's roommate's cousin or whatever. So my mom was like, it's fabric softener. The, it gets stuck in there sometimes. So if you take out the tray and clean back in there, it'll go away. Which I was avoiding taking the tray out because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get it back. So I was like, all right, went ahead and took the leap and took it out. It was totally clean. That was about the point where it was kind of this fun little mystery, like not really fun, but this little mystery to solve to something that is like full-blown making me crazy. So I do a little more internet sleuthing. And I mean, you know, a lot of it was completely contradictory, but it seems, it seemed like my water was probably a little too cold, which is why I didn't have the issue at my old house because the water, it was like an older house and the water basically tended towards scalding all the time. And I do wash with cooler water a lot because I guess it's supposed to be better for your clothes, but apparently not better for rinsing away fabric softener and detergent from the inside of the washer. So I turn up the water heater and feel very smug about solving the mystery. And then I just start feeding that thing like a fresh tablets, like a kid shoveling candy on Halloween to flush everything out. Just like boom, 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 boom. And every time I thought it was good, I would wash a couple of white towels or think I was being really tricky and stop the washer mid-cycle. And there would be like a flake, maybe even sometimes just a flake, but there would be a flake. So (laughs) this is going on over like three days probably. And I think I went through a minimum of eight, probably more like 10 of fresh tablets. At this point, I've obviously like had it. So I post this like SOS on my neighborhood Facebook page. So this woman's like, my husband might be able to help. So I tell him what's going on. And he's like, do you use fabric softener? And I'm like, yeah, you know, should I stop? And he doesn't answer that question, but he does say, okay, so he tells me this. He's like, do a load on hot with a quart of bleach and then do a load on hot with a quart of vinegar, then do an empty load on hot. Or he's like, you can just do empty loads on hot. So I do the bleach and I do the vinegar and you know, it smells like I don't even know what, like a high school science lab in there. But would you believe, I feel like this is like my major public service announcement to the world. Would you believe it actually worked? It actually worked. I did like three test batches after that and it was completely fine. So that is a major, major win. It took up like several days and portions of my sanity, but in the end, it's a total win. Which brings me to my main topic, online reviews. So I am a huge proponent of online reviews. I know a lot of them are fake or whatever, but I, if I may pat myself on the back a little bit, (laughs) I feel like I kind of have a discerning eye, like I can weed out the ones that are bad. So many of them are useful that I read them for everything. The first reason is, you know, there are a lot of things that I don't know that other people do. So for example, my washer, I was skimming some of the reviews for the fresh tablets, you know, like, is there some kind of like trick that I'm missing? The short answer is no, (laughs) you know, there wasn't, but they did make me feel better. This one lady was like, my washer smelled like all caps. She puts this in all caps. My washer smelled like all caps, literal sewage. And I wanted to be like, if my washer smelled like literal sewage, I would have a literal meltdown and throw the thing out the window, assuming I could actually like, you know, move it more than an inch. Like, really? (laughs) Really? This is where I trip myself up because I'm such a word person. I'm like, do you know what sewage smells like? You're washing your clothes in something that smells like literal sewage? How does that happen? How do I make sure that never happens to my washer? Like literal sewage? Literal? 
Obviously, reading these reviews, while sometimes entertaining, is not really the most time-efficient thing I ever do. I moved a year ago, and you know how it is. Sometimes things don't fit in the new space quite right, or maybe you like need a little table or a chair or something for an empty corner or whatever. So usually, going online is best if you want the best selection or the best deal. But that could also be risky, which I learned the hard way when I bought a rug that I thought I was really going to like, but it did not look good. So I bought another rug that I thought would look good that did not look good. (laughs) And then I had to return them both and pay like a ton of money to do it. Three times was the term when I finally bought something. I finally went on Amazon and found something that had free returns. That was like my main criteria after that. So I learned from that experience and I would not buy anything without reading like every review for it first. So in addition to looking at reviews for useful tips, of course, I love any review that says something looks so expensive when it's not. Uh, That's a big one. But probably the biggest thing I look for is how hard something is to put together. I'm dumb about a lot of things, but one thing I do know is that no item, no matter how good it looks or how great a deal it is, is worth the angst if it's hard to put together. Nothing. No. If someone says it took them like six hours or it was spread over two days, done. Don't care how nice it looks. Don't care what a good deal it is. It's a no-go. Click the back button. We're moving on. I bought a desk for my office and I literally based the entire decision on two things. I looked and looked and looked and looked, right? And I literally based the decision on two things, that it was gray because that was kind of the color scheme of the room and that it was easy to put together. I'm telling you, as someone who has read what feels like sometimes every review on the internet, there must be thousands of reviews on the internet that say something like, my husband put it together in 30 minutes. I am here to tell you, if it says my husband put it together in 30 minutes, that guarantee actually translates to like guarantee three hours for sure. So the desk, the desk was so great. A bunch of the reviews were like, it is so easy. (laughs) And the description itself said no assembly, which I was kind of like, obviously I know that's not true, but I was like, maybe, maybe it's like a Lego and it kind of like snaps together. It actually said that. I was like, all right, (laughs) it's great and it's easy to put together. Good enough for me. It was completely not true. There were like 27 steps or something, including the swinging door that you had to attach to like a cabinet that still to this day doesn't close right. But here's the thing. When you're doing it and you're going through and you're like on step 16 of 27, you're like, man, it is such a good thing. We didn't get the one that said it took two days. Can you imagine how hard that would be if we got the one that said it took two days? Thank goodness we got the one that said it was easy to put together. Can you imagine? Like, it could be so much worse. So much worse. (laughs) Some of these, I feel like it's like a contest. It's like they think they're getting an internet gold star or something. They're like, you know, I'm 87 and I put it together in 10 minutes all by myself and carried it up six flights of stairs all on my own. I'm like, stop. So obviously I'm not the only one who reads online reviews. I got a little curious about this. The Pew Research Center did a study in 2016 on online commerce and found then that 82% of Americans read reviews at least sometimes before buying a product for the first time. And then they did another survey in 2018 about how people make big decisions and found in that survey that 93% of Americans read customer reviews or ratings at least sometimes before buying a product or service for the first time. So either way, the number is a lot. 
Then I read a 2017 article from USA Today, and it had all these millions of fun little facts about online reviews. So first off on impact, they interviewed the CEO of a rating software company who said that just going from zero reviews to one review, just zero to one, increases the chance that someone will buy a product by 65%. He also said reviews can be responsible for up to 20% of sales of a product. And a third of online shoppers say they would not purchase a product that hadn't gotten positive reviews, which I totally, I'm totally the same. Like if there's no reviews, I'm like nervous, you know, or, or like if there's a couple of reviews and a couple, one or two of them are bad, forget it, you know? Another interesting little tidbit from a Harvard publication on Yelp reviews. So each star that a restaurant gets on Yelp, they say leads to a 5 to 9% increase in revenue, which is why you see, especially with a local place, you see that little sticker in the window all the time, 5 to 9%. So, you know, a lot of people obviously are suspicious of the authenticity of online reviews for good reason, because some of them are sketchy, but about two thirds of the people who read them often, they said, believe that most of them are legitimate. So negative reviews are actually good because they help people believe reviews are legitimate. One of the reasons why is they're less common than positive reviews. And so when you see a negative review, you say, oh, someone actually has something helpful to say about the product. The CEO in USA Today said the sweet spot for Amazon reviews is actually not a five-star average, but around like a 4.2 to 4.4 out of five. So who leaves online reviews? The vast majority of us read them, but who writes them? So it depends on who you ask. I read a couple of different articles and it was anywhere from 1.5 to maybe 10% of people. The New York Times interviewed an MIT marketing professor on this study he did in 2014, and he put the number at around 15 people out of 1,000. So he's the 1.5. And he's like, should we be relying on these people if we're part of the other 985? Which I mean, like, no, probably not. But we do anyway, right? So his study said, that people who write online reviews are more likely than the average shopper to dot, 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 buy things in unusual sizes, make returns, be married, have more children, be younger and less wealthy, and have graduate degrees. He said online reviewers are also 50% more likely to shop sales and they buy four times more products. For another perspective, the rating software CEO in the USA Today story said, the typical online reviewer usually falls into one of four buckets. So first are those who really, really love a product, and then those who really, really hate it. So both ends of the spectrum, which I totally believe. I'm like never more motivated to write an online review than when I like have a terrible experience with something. So the ones who really love and the ones who really hate something. Then are the people who are like pay it forward people. They use reviews, so they feel like it's only fair that they write them themselves, you know, to kind of pay it forward, which I also totally believe. So one year I was like, I'm totally going to do this (laughs) like around New Year's because I benefit so much from always looking at reviews. I'm going to write some every time I think about it. I'm going to write some. And I literally, I think, ended up writing two, (laughs) like on the same day at the same time and then never did it again. But I totally understand that. And then the last bucket are the people who have really strong loyalty to maybe like a local business or a certain retailer and they want to help them out. You know, so I did that with like a yoga studio that I went to that I really liked and a tiny, tiny little nail shop that I went to. So those four, those four, which I can totally see all of them. Of course, all roads lead to Amazon, of course. So from the USA Today story, 55% of people start their review fact-finding mission on Amazon. And another study showed that half of all shoppers say they rely primarily on Amazon for reviews, 
including almost 25%, who say they go on Amazon to check reviews while they're actually standing in a physical store, which I have totally done. I've done all of the above. So sometimes when you go on Amazon, I always like read at least like the first couple, I feel like. Like sometimes you'll go on there and the one at the top or the top couple, you'll see people be like, if my review helped you, click the button. And I guess I never thought about it too much. But I guess if I was really pressed on it, I would probably say that it was like an ego thing or something. I don't know. Like some of them are trying to be funny or whatever, but I guess maybe I thought it was an ego thing. But I got kind of curious about it and Googled it. And let me tell you, this is like a whole world. It's like a culture. It's, I'm not even kidding. I, or like someone, could probably do a 10-parter on Amazon reviews. Okay, so first of all, the deal with Amazon reviews is that yes, if you get helpful votes, it like elevates your status. That's why people want them. So it used to be that you could get free products from like anyone in exchange for a review, but they sort of cracked down on that about four years ago. And now you have to be a part of the Amazon Vine program, which I thought was just bugs. It's all kinds of things, all kinds of things. And so you have to be asked to join, which you do by leaving all these helpful reviews. And of course, there are all kinds of sketchy ways around that, but that's basically the deal. So I Google this, and one of the first things that comes up is this amazing headline from 2014. Mysterious Boston woman is top Amazon reviewer. (laughs) So the story, the story has the best lead. She hates mint. Don't even get her started on mint. She is five foot two, drives a Honda CRV, and has very detailed opinions on printer cartridges, tax preparation software, and five flavors of Burt's Bees lip balm. She suffers from dry eyes, a blister on her fourth toe that just won't go away, and serious back problems. She is Allie Julia, the nom de plume of a highly mysterious Boston woman who has become a powerful figure on the internet. As of the end of August, Allie Julia was number 42 with over 5,000 total reviews and over 52,000 helpful votes. She would not do an interview with the Boston Globe, which is probably what made her so mysterious. But another woman did, Joanna D. from Delaware. And Joanna is the all-time grand dame in Amazon reviewing history. She's gotten what they call Hall of Fame recognition in 17 different years. Who knew, right? The next closest is 11. So she's currently in the top 10. Joanna is in her late 60s, worked in finance, which I assume that she was done and this is like her full-time job now, but it sounds like she's still working off some of the reviews. She works in finance and started reviewing products in 1999. In her profile, she goes, I started reading reviews on Amazon to make decisions on books, etc., and I still head straight to the reviews to see what's what. Some of the products that she reviewed included tweezers, wedge heels, a fitness tracker, a mop, and these baking sprinkles, which she called. So the headline was luxury sprinkles. And then her review said, not all waxy tasting like cheap ones. (laughs) So let's see. Other things about Joanna. She does her brows every day and her four-star review for eyelash adhesive read, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. She offers some great cooking tips here and there. She hates blinds. She says they're awful, but that's what I have. She has like a few things to say about the design of her house. So I skimmed through a bunch of her reviews. I didn't make it very far, but I skimmed through a bunch of them. I thought it was so charming. Like, I would love if Joanna, like, lived next door to me or something, and not just because I would get, like, the rejects of the items that she gets, but, like, Joanna knows what's what. Like, Joanna goes to the reviews to find out what's what, but, like, Joanna knows what's what, too. She told the Boston Globe, you just have to keep calm and keep reviewing. Keep calm and keep reviewing, everyone. (laughs) 
All right, that's it for today's walk around the block. Follow the podcast on Instagram at walktheblockpod or subscribe on Apple Podcasts where you can also leave a review if you feel so inclined. See you next week. Thank you.